Hello and welcome to the Celtic Down Under podcast. I'm your host Jared and joining me tonight is Liam. How are you Liam? Hi Jared, all good here, although it's pretty cold in Japan at the moment. Um, oh, I'm, I'm now a, I'm a year older than the last time I spoke to you. It was my birthday on Saturday, so that's me now at 37. Happy birthday, mate. Thanks, mate. <laughs> I'd ask how many candles, but you know, what's it matter? Aye, well, you know. <laughs> you got you got the worst birthday present too from the club, so we'll discuss that a bit later. So uh, <laughs> it was on Saturday, but yeah, talking about the weather, strange one here in Melbourne. Uh, I just got home about half an hour ago from going for like a five k walk. Thirty one degrees when I left. Absolutely like, yeah, it's twenty two now. Absolutely wrecked. So I'll I'll try not to fall asleep while recording the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, All right. So, meanwhile, we, meanwhile, I woke up. I woke up in my bed this morning, and I found a little ice cube under my blanket. I threw it on the fire, and it went. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was going to say a little ice cube, and I was going to. Uh, no, nah, we won't go there. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, everyone, yeah. anyone with a dirty mind will figure that out. So, um, yeah, we. Didn't have a have a podcast last week. After all, we're going to do a Q and A podcast, but technical difficulties happened. So, apologies to everyone who got on and recorded a question for us. We appreciate that. Uh, we'll do our best to do another Q and A podcast in the future. Before we start tonight, we'll uh, do the usual shout at the start. So, since you're already listening, if you haven't subscribed already, we appreciate building up our subscriber base. So, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or any other podcast app that you're listening on please subscribe to the Celtic Down Under podcast we appreciate that so since our last actual podcast Liam mm. Scotland qualified for the Euros yeah I you proud Scotsman glad to tell you that was an emotional one I am um, because of the timing of it I actually I only saw at well, the tail end of extra time and then the penalty shootout because um, I wasn't planning to watch the game because I had to be up at 7 a.m for work but um, I woke up at 7 a.m. and I thought, I'll just, I'll, I'll, I'm dreading it, but I'll open up my app and see what the score is. And it was like one each. And it said extra time being played. I was like, oh, God, it's still on. So I managed to find a link, watch the game. Um, genuinely had a wee weep when the penalty shootout finished and um, then cleaned myself up and went to work. And I was bouncing all day. I couldn't believe it. <laughs> yeah, I watched the first, first half, went to work, was watching the result. Seeing the group chat from you guys all chatting about it, and I'm like, okay, I got to chuck this back on. So I logged in, watched it on my phone at work. My boss comes over, what the hell's going on? Told him he's a Croatian background, so he's like, come on, Scotland, getting involved. And <laughs> I'm just like, had on my phone and watching it. Penalty shootout happened, and yeah, I'm sitting there and I'm like, wrapped. Scotland got in at the same time. The in-laws for me personally, because they're all Serb background. I'm like. Yeah, wonder how they're all going to be. So, congratulations, Scotland. Long overdue. I hope it's a start for the Scottish national team in the same way the 2006 World Cup qualifiers were for the Socceroos over here in Australia, where we never qualified since 1974 for a World Cup. And then once we qualified in 2006, we've been in every one since. So, I'm hoping this is the start for Scotland, onwards and upwards, and go your tartan army. All right, I'll drink to that. <laughs> yeah. All right. So on to a uh, less positive thing. Hmm. Hibs 2, Celtic 2. 
Over to you, Liam. Yeah, well, uh, thank you, Celtic, for ruining my birthday. No, um, <laughs> no, I had a great birthday in spite of that game, not because of it, thankfully. But, um, yeah, uh, on one hand, you look at it and you think, well, with 15 minutes to go, we were 2 nothing down, you'd have bit someone's hand off for two each. And at the end of it, you think, oh, God, two, two each draws is terrible, you know. And um, No, it's just... It's no good enough. It really isn't good enough. Um, I thought first half we just didn't look like we were there at all. And when Hibs scored, even though they hadn't had that many chances, there was a feeling of inevitability about it because I thought if Celtic don't get a goal here, they're going to score because that's how Hibs operate. They're very they're clinical on the counter attack. We saw them do it to Rangers a few weeks ago, you know. Um, and uh, yeah, we you know we we battled and got back into it. Good to see Edward getting a goal, even if it was a penalty. Um, Laxalt, what a finish! Took it like a striker. Um, consistently, even though Celtic have been crap recently, Laxalt has been the one guy that every week seems to deliver. And I really think we need to do all we can to get him signed up. Um, he's funny you mentioned that about Laxalt because at the start of the season, every Celtic fan out there was saying, oh, I'm happy with every position we got in the team except left back. And now the only position we're all pretty much happy with universally across the whole supporters base is our left back position. Now we've got Laxalt in the squad. So it's a bit of a 180. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so you are saying about the, um, like, once they got the goal, it was inevitable. And yeah, you're right. Like, their keeper kept them in it in the first half, um, from my opinions and what I remember, because it was stupid o'clock over here and yeah I was pretty fatigued so I don't really remember the ins and outs and details but I watched the highlights again so their keeper played a blinder could have easily been though like two three each at half time so you get their goals at that point in time you're like why aren't you making bringing on a second striker Lenny you know goes like for like again as per usual 15 minutes after a sub I mean after their goal second goal does not make sense to me, but that's Lenny for you. That's pretty much all he's done all season, so I wouldn't expect any different. Um, yeah, Eddie's goal. I was a, if I was a defender, I'd feel hard done by. He had his hand up in an unnatural position. I understand that. But, yeah, those things happen. Both teams got a penalty in the game, though, so that's cool. And then Laxalt... The left footer. I found the funniest thing with his goal was that Duffy gets knocked over or knocks someone over or whatever it is, and they're all whinging about it. And then Laxalt's got his hands in the air, like, what are you whinging about? And then suddenly the ball's and he cuts it off and just rockets it into the net. And I'm just like, <laughs> yeah, brilliant. Right. So if you watch the replay of that goal, I watched it first time and I'm like, oh, yeah. And then you see the replay and I'm like, look at Laxalt. He's like, Hands are up and then bang. I was like, not no mucking around here. He's not here to not here to fuck spiders, as they say over here in Australia. So it was uh, gets things done. So I like it. It was like the high school football thing where you know the PE teacher always said, "Play to the whistle." You know, that's exactly what Laxalt did. That's <laughs> what you got to do. <laughs> if you don't do it, you're not doing the right thing by your team. So um, yeah, hmm. the end of the day, more drop points, but. The other thing is we haven't won a game at Easter Road since 2014, so it's been a bit of a bogey venue for us. So 
end of the day, 2-0 down to come back and pick up a point. I, mean, I suppose you take that. Not ideal, but it is what it is. I just wish the team would, uh, as John keeps saying, get some structure about the team, know how we're going to play, and go a 4-4-2, which is what he's saying. Two strikers, set defense, set wingers, central midfield settled. I know it's really old school, but if anyone's going to do that, then he could actually organize that. At the moment, it looks like no one knows what the hell is going on in the back line. Yeah. Yeah, I'm with you on the four four two, definitely. Um I think that's uh that's a thing which I noticed because obviously because I'm I'm writing blogs now about Celtic, I do spend a bit of time trawling the net to see what fans are saying before I form an opinion. And a lot of people on, on Sunday were saying like, Oh, um, you know, a jetty can't handle it, a jetty can't play up front his own, he was pissed on Saturday, that just shows you it's like no, 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 no. I think a jetty played all right but he doesn't function at his best as a lone striker. You need to get get Edward back fully fit and have either a Jetty or Griffiths partnering him. Have to has to be a two man attack. It's got to be the way to go. Exactly. He's um I don't see him as as they said he's not a lone striker. He needs someone playing alongside him whether that's when he was playing well early on, he had Alanusi playing just behind him or he had Rogic in behind him. So or even in Cham at the start of the season. So he had people in that role or playing close off him that he could lay the ball off to and then get it back, little give and goes, get into the pocket. Guys get into the byline, cut it back, and he's wide open unmarked because he makes an intelligent run. That's him when he's playing as a single striker with in a different formation. But if you get another guy up there with him, I'd love to see him and Edward together. Maybe that'd be the spark that would bring Eddie back to life because he's been a shadow of a shadow of his ability basically this season. You understand he got COVID, he got sick. He was probably looking for a move. Who knows if you believe all the all the crap online. But at the end of the day, Eddie and Griff together last year was dynamite. Now have we tried that together this season? No. Have we tried Eddie along with Ajedi? No. And the player that's really, I'm a bit disappointed, it's completely dropped off the radar is Klamala. For me, this is going to sound a bit strange, but I like him as a striker. I don't think he's a starting quality striker at the moment. However, I think he can do the same job for us that Ole Gunnar Solskjaer did at Man United in the 90s. Do you know what I was going to say? So guy, as soon as you said that, that's, that's where my mind went as well. Yeah. That's a perfect role for him. If you need someone to come on, be full of energy for the last 15, 20 minutes and just run tired defenders ragged and have that burst of pace and have that ability and not be afraid to get hit, he's clearly proven that. So that's a role. If we go two up front together, that brings a role in for that Solshire role for Klamala to come in and play for us. Yeah, and if you've got, you know, obviously Griffiths, I think, has ongoing issues with his fitness. So you want to have the option of, of having, you know, be able to switch out him and Ajeti as the starting striker when you need to. And with the fact we're allowed five substitutes this season, you can have both Klamala and Griffiths or Ajeti on the bench, you know? 
Yeah, exactly. It's um, I don't know. Lenny uses his his uh, subs too late. To be honest with you. Yeah. So I'll use that as a little segue into our next topic. But before we do that, I want to play the post-match interview from Lenny after the Hibs game. Neil, how do you feel after that 90 minutes of football? Well, I'm angry. You know, I'm really disappointed. The two goals we've given away are awful. You know, it's unprof- I wouldn't say unprofessional, but it's slack. You know, and you... You don't expect it from Scott, you know. It's I don't know what he's thinking of. Um, Boyle's going nowhere, and he's got no chance of winning the ball. And he was actually playing quite well up until then, and then the second goal's awful. You know, it's just lazy defending, uh, not tracking the runner. Whether the guy wins the header or not, you know, we Miro should be a lot closer to block the shot. So we give ourselves a lot to do. We did it, but we showed a far better mindset for the last 25 minutes than we had in the the previous 65 and we need to bottle that and carry that forward yeah it was a good we'll just leave it at that point there Mm. he talks about professionalism people being focused on what they're doing not concentrating my my question to you liam Mm -hmm. is that across the board from the top down this season are we asleep at the wheel being unprofessional as a club, being not doing our jobs, whether that's from the boardroom through to the managers, through to the playing stuff, playing stu- uh, coaching stuff, and the playing group. Are we all asleep at the wheel? You know, to some extent, I think we might be. Um, I'm going to say some pretty controversial stuff here, and, uh, you know, I'll probably get abuse for it on Twitter later on, but here goes. I think Celtic now are falling into a trap that Rangers used to quite regularly fall into back back when they were the dominant team. Um, believing your own hype. I think because we won the treble treble, because we won the league again last year, because we, cons- up until fairly recently, we were consistently scalping Rangers every time we played them. Um we started to believe that we were this invincible force that we were being projected to be. And now that we have a challenge, a genuine challenge from an admittedly quite good, though I don't think world beating by any means Rangers team, I don't think the players quite know how to handle it. This is a squad of players who, apart from a few long-serving veterans, are not used to being challenged. And I think mentally emotionally, perhaps even physically, they don't know how to handle it. I'd have to agree with you there. And if that's the case, does that mean we let go of some players too soon who have been challenged before? Guys like Lustig, guys like Izagiri. I'm just throwing out some random names here. If we had a guy in the goals like Fraser Forster who's been around the traps... Do you think that would make a difference? Or are you thinking it's a um, a coaching thing where either the players need to go see some sports psychologist and get settled, or does it go further than that? And is Lenny still the man for the job? Is he motivating the players and everyone under his report, is he motivating them correctly to get the best out of them? What are your thoughts? Right. 
multifaceted questions. I'm going to give quite a long answer here. First of all, the uh, the squad in its current form should be good enough to beat anything in Scotland, and that includes Rangers. But they're not doing it. And the reason they're not doing it is, I believe, like I said, mental and emotional. Which tells me that there are some players who are not pulling their weight and some players who do not deserve to be there. Now, it's not for you or I to say who they are, even though we can obviously pick out players we think are not playing well. That's Lennon's job as a manager. Because anybody who is not 100% mentally right and focused on the task, and when I say mentally right, I don't mean in terms of mental health. I mean in terms of like being prepared mentally to go out and win a game of football, as in focused and knowing exactly what they're expected to do and how they're expected to do it. Anybody who's not 100% there should be nowhere near the first team, regardless of who they are or how long they've been there. And that's where Lenny is perhaps slipping into the trap of either, oh, he's been here for years, I trust him, I'm not dropping him, or I just signed that guy, if I drop him I'm going to look like a dick, so I'm not dropping him. And that's where Lenny needs to set his ego aside and say what's good for the for the benefit of the entire team. And then Can I just once... jump in quickly off there, Liam? Sorry? Can I just jump in quickly on yeah, that? Because you made a good yeah. point. You had, um, after the Ferenc Barros game, he said there was people who didn't want to be there. It is still playing the same players. So to me, why are they still getting a game? You've got guys like, you look at young Okoflex, did an idiotic post on, what was it, his Instagram or his Twitter or something like that pretending that he's sitting on the bench sulking when the last sub is made. But you've got guys like Luke O'Connell who could do a job. He did well in the preseason. You've got guys there who you could plug in, give him a give him a shot, but he's playing the same old, same old. So you're making a good point, what you said, but to me at the same time, I agree with you 100%. Why is Lenny still picking those players when he's previously outed them and thrown them under a bus after the Ferenc Varos game? saying there's guys who don't want to be here, but he's still playing them. That's the thing, and that's where, as much as I love Lenny, absolute respect for him, guy lives and breathes Celtic, that's where you have to question, does he really have it as a manager at the top level? Because your real top-level managers, you know, your your Mourinho... Yeah, exactly. And your, you know... Everyone's thinking it. You said all all over Twitter. Yeah, people are questioning it at the moment. Those people, sorry, the, the, the top managers are the ones who can be ruthless when they have to be. Who they can say to somebody, you've played for me for five years, love you like a brother, but you're pish at the moment, so you're out the door. I don't ever see Lenny being, being the type of guy that would do that. And that's why I, I question whether he'll ever be at the absolute top level as a manager. Look at a guy like Mourinho, for instance. I've started watching the um, the Amazon Prime show um, with Tottenham when he took over from Pochettino, and he is just ruthless on Dali Alley in that, considering how much he's done. And then you look at his track record, guys like De Bruyne, Lukaku, Salah, these sort of guys, that quality players, like unbelievable players at the moment, but he wasn't going to muck around with them at all. So, as you're saying, the difference between the level he's at and these absolute top level, 
you watch a show like that, you can you can get a feel for the difference. Yeah, you see, to put that into like a, to put that into a Celtic context, right? We, for example, we sign a guy like Ajeti, right, who's a superb player, I think, and you know could do well for us. And the question immediately becomes, how do we structure the team to accommodate this new five million pound striker we've signed? Whereas with Mourinho, it would be, all right, you are this striker, whatever. How are you going to play in my team? If you can't figure out how to play in my team, you're out the door. I don't care who you are. That's the difference. As much as it hurts to say that, it's something Rogers was ruthless with as well. He has his system. He picks his players based on that. Mm. And that's why Craig Gordon played in the first season, but then he brought in Doris DeVries to challenge him because he wanted a sweeper-keeper, someone who was good with the ball at his feet. Yeah. So he was ruthless. He had a crack. He thought, no, this is the sort of keeper I want. So he brought someone in. Yeah, DeVries didn't live up to it, but Rogers had that same mindset. Aye, exactly. Yeah. So I'm going to throw another little query into you with the malaise that the team's in. Do you think the um, the lack of a crowd is a factor at all for the performances? See that all over social media from the so-called Celtic Dars out there, yet I'm probably five years off being classed that myself. But you see that on social media, that there's a lack of crowd. Do you think that if there was crowds in the stadium, Lenny would still be in the job? Or do you think that it would be that toxic with a crowd there at the moment that the board would actually be forced to do something. Well, you see that I'm, go- I'm going to take that another way because I think if the crowd was in, I don't think we'd be in the state we're in now. Um, something that isn't being talked about off- often enough, I don't think, but you know, I have heard brought up in different circles is that Rangers have handled empty stadiums far better than Celtic have. Um, because there were times last season that it was noticeable, and I've written about this in my articles that I write, it's no, it was noticeable several times last season, the crowd at Ibrooks got, the, got, up, got up the Rangers players' backs and unsettled them. Their crowd will turn on them when they're not playing well. Now, we do have an element of that at Celtic, but I think it goes much a much more positive way with Celtic most of the time, is that when we're not playing well, that the team gets a lift from the crowd, and it can turn a nothing each into a sloppy one nothing win. Or it allows us to snatch a point when we're getting beat or whatever, you know. Um, and I think that... that I'll, I'll, go out, I'll go out and I'll say, I think that the, the five points we are behind Rangers right now, I don't think we'd be five points behind if we had crowds in. I think they would have dropped at least two or three points and we'd have got two or three points more than we have now. Just by having the crowd. I agree with you 100% there, Liam, because... We've seen it in the previous seasons. You get Rangers playing at home against Aberdeen and they drop points because they expected to win that game. So the crowd's on top of them. Yeah. And if they get to the 70th, 80th minute and they're not getting anywhere, boom, the crowd is all over them and they crumble. Yet our guys, our 12th man, the crowd, tends to elevate us and get us to an extra level. So it's, yeah, I think it's affecting us. I agree with you. It's affecting us a lot more than it's affecting them. But at the same time, here's that word professionalism again. I understand it's going to be hard to 
keep the standards up and keep as professional as possible when you don't have that crowd that you're so used to being there keeping you on edge. However, if you're a professional footballer getting paid, in my opinion, getting paid the big bucks with all the stuff going on in the world at the moment and you can't find the motivation to go out and play as hard as you possibly can and work as hard as you possibly can so that those guys who should be in the crowd watching you but are paying ridiculous amounts of season ticket money to watch a game on TV like we all do over here because we're not in Scotland, these guys who should be in the crowd are watching the game the way we do, us international fans do. Yeah. If you can't find the motivation to go out and perform for those people who are sitting at home but are still paying your wages, to me, that's not very professional. I agree with you to some extent, but what I would also say is that I think it's an unconscious thing. And unconscious things like that, quite often the individual doesn't really have much control over it. Um, but, but that's where the manager has to step in. Because in the absence of fans to motivate the team, you have to think of other ways to motivate people. Tactics is only part of being a manager. Motivation, I think, is actually a bigger part of being a manager. Do these players want to play for you or not? And unfortunately, at the moment, I'm not convinced that everybody in that team wants to play for Lenny. I think even Stevie Wonder could tell you that, mate. Aye. It's not hard to see. Like, you sit there, you watch the game, and it's obvious. Yeah. Like, Lenny's doing his best ever Arsene Wenger impression on the bench, sitting down in his coat, just, you know, trying not to carry on. But at the moment, I don't want calm Lenny. I want... I want bring back the thunder crazy Lenny if he's going to be there. If he's if things don't change then there's only one way to go. And that's out the door. Aye. If that was to happen when do you when do you think that move would happen? Do you think the club would leave it until after the next Rangers game? Do you think they would they should have done the move already and made a change? What's your thoughts on it? I think that they're trying to get through until the new year. They are hoping that we'll still be in contention in the league by December, that we will somehow beat Rangers in the new year game, and then we can get some money to clean out, to have the clean out and the renewal in January that we should have had in August. Those players who didn't turn up in Ferencvaras will finally be shown the door and replacements brought in, but not until January. And by January, it may be too late. Because it's also the question of, if Lenny can't motivate these current players, what's to say he'd be able to motivate new players that he brought in? Uh, Well, you look at the new players he has brought in, and guys like Duffy, does he look motivated? No. Is he performing? Well, the thing is with Duffy in particular, and I I don't like attacking individual players, but this needs to be said, I... I took some stick when I said this at the time when we signed him, but I was worried it was going to be another Roy Keane scenario. I think Duffy just wanted to be able to write on his CV that he played for Celtic, rather than any great desire to actually come here and have an impact and be a match winner. 
or a trophy winner. I think he just wants to tick the box that says, I'm a Celtic man and I played for Celtic. Because he'll bugger off back down to England at the end of this season regardless and get another 80 grand a week contract somewhere. He's no, yeah. he's no here for the long term. And players who aren't even if, long term should bugger off as far as I'm concerned. Even if we had the option for that uh, to sign him next year on a permanent, I wouldn't. No. At the end of the day, I look at it and go, we've got some quality youngsters coming through. We, If we get through this season, that's a big if. If we get through and somehow manage to win the 10, I'm, I'm, the, I'm sort of inclined to be like, if next season we came fourth and we were blooding young guys playing guys like O'Connor and Connell and Afalabi and, um, yeah, keep playing for Impong if he's still there. Play Mikey all the time. Do that sort of stuff. Play Clamala more. If we were to do that next season and we could see some real growth in the squad and see the young guys coming through that we've heard a lot about, I'd almost be – if we got the 10 this year, I'd happily cop that finishing third or fourth next year. However, there's a lot of time to go to get to that point. And come January, there's players who don't even – have not been performing and, as you said, should be out the door. Like our next few fixtures are we don't play a league game until – what do we got the – what is it, the 7th of – 7th of December is the next time we play. That's our time. So 6th of December over there against St. Johnson. Mm. So we've got Sparta Prague on Thursday, Ross County in the, in the League Cup the following Sunday, Milan the following Thursday, and then St. Johnson. So we've got three, three games that aren't league-related. If we were going to... For me, as I mentioned earlier and asked you the question, if we were going to make this move, I think they'll give him until the, the next Rangers game. However, I've seen, a, I've seen a lot of people online, I've heard on a few podcasts where people are actually saying they wouldn't mind it if Sparta Prague absolutely trounces during the week if that means Lenny's not there come Sunday. Thing is, though, unless it's an absolute shagging like five nothing or six or seven nothing or something, I don't see Lenny getting sacked. Neither do I. Because the argument so, would be that Europe was a write off anyway. Yeah, exactly. So I don't, I don't see that happening. But I'm hearing people say it. For me, my thing is, if he was going to be given the flick after the Ferencvaros game first time around, it should have been either at that point when he threw everyone under the bus. But that's probably too early in the season. And then after the current thing, before the international break, that's when I thought the move should have happened. So if you can get someone in, bet them in during the break, and then off you go. So at the point we're at now, I think it's a bit of um, we're stuck with him for the time being, and uh, hopefully we can turn it around. See, what, what worries me is if we persevere with Lenny until the, until the New Year game, and if current form continues and we lose to Rangers again, which I hope we won't, but we might, um, then there'll be no option but to, to but to get rid of him. Because losing twice in a row to Rangers just will not be accepted by the fans, especially if it puts us like 10 points behind them in the league or something. Um, and in that case, what would then happen is, knowing the Celtic board and how, how they operate, 
They would spend most of January dawdling trying to get a manager. They'll chase one manager, won't get him. They'll end up settling for the third or fourth choice. And we'll know it was a third or fourth choice. So the fans won't be happy. Um, and then that manager will be left with about three days to put a team together with probably less funds than he was expecting because that's how the Celtic board operate. If we're going to make a managerial change, it needs to be in the next couple of weeks because you need someone who's got at least a month to get together what he wants in January and then go out and get it. Yeah. I think there's a couple of players as well with how well Rogic was playing earlier in the season, the fact we almost lost him. I'd, I'd keep him. Mm. Guys like, as, as great as Cham was last year, I think he needs to go in January yes. as a starting point because we'd get some funds for him. And then it's, where do you invest it? I don't think we need to buy a replacement for Bruni because we've got Sorrow there. And whenever we've seen him, I've thought he's been, I've thought he's been great. Mm. I've been happy with what I've seen. So it's like, where do you want to invest it? The midfield's already packed as it is. So is it less is more by getting out, like cutting out the rot, getting rid of the, the bad eggs out of the locker room? Is that going to be addition by subtraction? So that's another one where I wonder, particularly with the example of Sorrow, because I agree that's a guy who should be able to step into the team and do a good job. Is that a case of the old pals act with Lenny that he doesn't want to drop Brown? I'm worried that Lenny not dropping Brown is actually going to tarnish Bruni's legacy. Yeah. Because he's been such a player for us for so long and he's been such a hard man, but the fact of the matter is he can't play four games a fortnight. No. And if he's going to play him four games a fortnight and then bring him off after 60 minutes, great. But what's the point of having Sorrow there if you're not going to put him on? I mentioned earlier about Lenny doing like for like. That's the situation where you need to do it. On the weekend, he took Lenny off and what did he do? Put Duffy on? I'm not, when he took Bruni off and put Duffy on? I think it was. So I understand that's when you want to change your formation. But... I don't know. I would love to see Sorrow actually get some games because I was a big fan of Kowasi when we had him. When he first came in, I thought he was a player. Never got sided because Bruni was in front of him. Bruni's at that age now where end of this season, if the paycheck comes in to come out and play in the A-League over here, he should come over here. We've got some good golf courses. It's one game a week and he could still make a difference. But playing at that level week in, week out, twice a week for Celtic, as much as I love Bruni, that's not his role anymore. Bruni's at the stage now where we are still deploying him as like this midfield dynamo, which he hasn't really been for three or four years. I, I, again, I'm, I'm not I'm not saying he's on the same level in terms of ability, but I'm going to, I'm going to make a comparison to one of my all-time favourite players, Lothar Mateus. Right? Mateus was an attacking midfielder up until he was about 31, 32. Then he moved to defensive mid, then he moved to centre-back, and he spent about the last two years of his career playing sweeper. He moved further and further back because the football brain was still there, even though the head, had, even though the legs had gone. The head was still there. And I think Bruni is in that position now. I think he, he would still be useful as like a midfield, defensive midfield holding player, but he can't make the bursting runs that, that, that he used to. And... I think he's being asked to do too much in the current formation. Agree with you 100%. Like, he's not the, the guy 
Look, Bruni won the league at Rugby Park. He's not that player. And even then he was, when he did that, even at that point he was losing it. He'd lost a step. So I actually think he's one of those players that the big lockdown actually affected more because he had the break and you'd kind of think, okay, the break's going to do him and his old legs good, but it's actually thrown him for a six because he's out of um, getting out of rhythm. Yeah. But, yeah, I just... I'm worried about that old pals act that he's got with Lenny just playing him every week because, yeah, I don't want him tarnishing his his legacy at the club. No, you never want to be that guy who tries to do one more show than he should do, you know? Exactly. All right. So there was another thing during the week after the game where Ryan Christie had some comments about our defence where he's saying, you go to Aberdeen, you score three goals – You go to Hibs away, you score two goals, you don't expect to come away with two points out of the two games. Um, He's saying that our defence basically is not doing their job. What are your thoughts on that? Well, I, I read the interview and I do think that there's a certain degree here of the press taking words out of context and sensationalising it to try and create friction. The way I read it was Christie was disappointed that we didn't win those two games. But I didn't take the impression that he was blaming anybody or blaming the defence in general. I took it that he was saying, the team scores that many goals, the team should win the game. He was expressing disappointment at what had happened. I don't think he was expressing criticism for any any particular part of the team but of course you read the headlines you know Christie throws Celtic defence under the bus and there you go it's how the tabloids work unfortunately and people fall for it yep I 100% agree with what you said like when I read the headlines I'm like what's he talking about here don't talk out of turn and then I read the actual article and I'm like that's not what he's saying yeah like, I agree with you. He was saying he's disappointed because we should be winning and these things, and then it's sensationalisation and a beat-up by the media. So, yeah, it was, um, yeah, I just wanted to bring that one up because I know you write blogs and articles and stuff like that and you understand that side of it a bit better than me. But, yeah, some of the some of the comments I saw directed at Christy on Twitter in particular was, I'm going to say it, derogatory. It was unbelievable. Some of these people call themselves a Celtic fan. If you're going to, you know, question his manhood, some people and stuff like that, like some of these comments were, it's like there's a human element at the end of the day. Think before you you tweet that shit. See, the thing is as well with with the the media element of it. Now, I think it's a, it's the wrong way to do things, and I don't agree with it, but. Negativity sells, unfortunately. Um, yep. Case in point, right? Case in point. My writing for CelticNowandForever.com. I write a variety of articles there, right? And I try to keep it varied. And I don't necessarily go for the negative angle. But I've noticed a trend, right? In the last week, I've written about six or seven articles, right? I wrote an article about the, about the anniversary of Lubo Moravchik's first goal for Celtic. About 350 people read it. On the same day, I wrote an article about how shite Ollie McBurney is. That got nearly 5,000 views. 
right? That's fucking. That's what people want to read, unfortunately. But as you said on one of our previous podcasts, he is a disgrace to genetics and football or something. Oh, and genetics, yes. (laughs) Yeah, brilliant. Yeah, but yeah, it's um, yeah, the negative things always, as you say, it's always going to sell people. Like, what's this? Okay, and it gets your attention. So, yeah, I'm not reading too much into it. Um, what Christy said. If you take what was actually said and not the media spin, it makes perfect sense. It's the same stuff we talk about in our group chat and we talk about weekly on this podcast. So it's not um, – I'm sure I've probably said worse things about our defense this season than Christy did in that. But, you know, I'm just a little old podcaster over here in Australia who supports Celtic. I'm not some, you know, hack working at the Scottish Sun who's, you know – rolling out some misinformation and causing causing drama with a headline. Well, I remember talking about headlines. Now, if you hear me for a minute here, right, there was a joke that a journalist told me years ago, which I think quite quite accurately sums it up. He was talking about the Daily Mail, right? And listeners in Scotland know all about the Daily Mail, an absolute fucking scummy rag. It's like, it's like, the, it's like the sun for people who can actually read. <laughs> and, um... So the story goes that a reporter from the Daily Mail is walking walking around in the park in, in Glasgow and he sees this little boy getting attacked by a pit bull terrier. Luckily, a bystander jumps in, grabs the dog, breaks its neck, saves the wee boy's life. And the reporter says, oh God, what, what is, sir, can I, can I talk to you? And the guy's like, uh, I, what is it? And he said, well, you just saved a little boy's life. Can I interview you for my, for my newspaper? And he's like, well, I don't really want any publicity. And he went, oh, it'll really help me out. I need, I need a scoop. He's like, right, okay, okay, but but don't don't use my name. He's like, oh, okay, okay, sure. He said, um, so, you know, how did you manage to take down that dog? He said, oh, well, I'm ex-military. I knew how to, like, you know, immobilize a, an attacker. I knew I knew a takedown maneuver. Said, oh, very good, very good. I said, all right, I've got everything I need to you. Just one more question. He says, um, said, are you a football fan? And he says, yeah. He says, all right, do you, do you have any chance to support Celtic? He says, no. He said, oh, that's a shame. I could have had the headline, boy saves boy, you know. He said, do you do you support Falkirk? He says, no. Of course, that's a shame. I could have had Bern saves Bern as the headline, you know. He said, what team do you support? He says, Liverpool. Daily Mail front page the next day, Scouse bastard kills family pet. <laughs> that was an Everton fan that told me that joke in my defence. Okay, so <laughs> uh, brilliant. Uh, <laughs> but it just all right. media are all about, you know. Yeah, it's all about you know if it's online clicks and uh, stuff like that. If it's about pay, actually in the paper, it's about paper sales. Yeah. Uh, as you're well aware. Yep. So next topic we have is the under-20s Scotland squad didn't do testing properly and we've lost Tur- Turnbull for 14 days or whatever because he has contracted COVID. Hmm. That's disappointing. However, Lenny doesn't play him, so it's no real big loss in terms of the first-team squad at the moment. Do you know... 
that's another facet to this whole Rangers thing that isn't being talked about enough. The fact that they have so few international class players means I've not none of them are getting COVID. So yep. it's another advantage for them. Um, I I'm going to put my foot down here. You know I love Scotland. I'm you know fully paid up member of the Tartan Army. Make no apologies for it. But if the if the governing body cannot guarantee the safety of our players one hundred percent, or they are found to be in any way negligent, and a player gets infected as a result or exposed in Turnbull's case, Celtic should just say to them, right, you're not getting any more of our players. We are not going to release our players for international duty until either everybody's vaccinated or you actually have some proper enforced protocols in place. I mean, sitting everybody together on a plane, for God's sake, why couldn't the SFA just charter their own plane? It's not like they don't have the money. You know? Why couldn't they just say, look... We'll play this game against Greece in March once everybody's had the vaccine. There was no need to play this stupid, pointless game. I mean, all right, it was a qualifier, but the game, the tournament isn't until next June. You could easily have delayed that. I'm sure the Greeks wouldn't have complained about having to put the game off either, you know? It's a sad state of affairs when I actually agree with Derek McInnes and what he said in the media. <laughs> Like I heard this happen, and I'm like, "What?" And then I read McInnes's story, and I'm like, "Oh my god, I actually agree with this bloke for the first time in my life." <laughs> um, yeah, he's like the international associations or whatever. They take your players, they don't test them, they don't look after them properly. But then it's your problem. You pay their wages, and you've got to suffer the consequences. And he's spot on. Like on that point of it, if. Like for us, we have a big squad. Turnbull has hardly been playing. So that's probably not going to affect us the same way that Aberdeen losing Ferguson and one other guy whose names has escaped me at the moment, how that is going to um, affect them. Like you take Lewis Ferguson out of their squad and what happens? Yeah. They. Um, the way I look at it is, they're a lot weaker in the midfield. So, and then you look on the weekend. I took four of them on Sunday if they had had him in the team. No, it probably would have been two. I reckon it would have been a two-nil, not a four-nil. Really? And I was Devo because of our fantasy football. I captained Ferguson this weekend, not knowing because he was he had two games. So I'm like, it's a double points when I can get a double wear me on me captain here. And but yeah. COVID stood down. So, thanks, you pricks. <laughs> Oh, God. So what we'll do, unless you've got anything else you want to discuss, Liam? Um, oh, there was there was one thing I was going to add. Um, apparently, the Green Brigade have, just as I'm writing this, made a, a protest outside Celtic Park. Um, I'm just going to read this statement to you, and then you can give me your reaction to it, because I'm just seeing it now. Um, okay. Shout out and thanks to Paul Larkin on Facebook for sharing this, by the way. Um. So there's a banner unfurled outside the main gate at Celtic Park. It says, save the 10, time to go, Neil. And it's followed up with an official statement from the Green Brigade, which says, and I'll read it verbatim, Neil Lennon and many of the current Celtic squad have delivered unprecedented success for our club and deserve enormous credit for these achievements. However, past accomplishments are not enough to excuse the level of performance and lack of desire we've endured throughout this momentous season. Despite having the best squad in the country, 
The football on display has been dismal, lacking in ideas and belief. Many of our best players have disappointed and we've performed poorly both domestically and in European competition, winning only two games from our previous eight. Whilst we'd love nothing more than to see Neil Lennon win us the championship, we are part of a growing element of Celtic support that has sadly concluded he is unable to turn our season around. After a decade of unrivaled footballing and financial dominance, it is disappointed to find ourselves 11 points off the league summit and virtually out of the Europa League, having failed to make it past even the second round of qualification for the Champions League. We appreciate all that Neil Lennon has done for our club and endured in his time in Scotland. However, there's simply too much at stake to persevere in hope rather than expectation, and a managerial change needs to be made. Celtic Football Club is bigger than all of us, and the good of the club must come first. Peter Lowell and the Celtic board must act now in a bid to save 10 in a row, as well as their own legacies. Should they fail to deliver this title, it will be them who are held to account. The Green Brigade. So, initial thoughts on that? Is that a banner or a press release? The statement that I just I read at the start, the time for Lennon to go, time for Neil to go was a banner. The rest was a press release. Okay, yeah, that's what I thought. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's um, they're bang on. It's the easiest way to sum it up. Yeah. Like the guys are died in the wall, Celtic man, and we can't let that leave that as you know just right out because oh he's one of us. At the same time, he does need to go, in my opinion. Um, the time is up for Lenny. Appreciate all he's done personally, as a like, as a person in terms of the crap he's been through with the junk with the sectarianism and the bullets being sent to him and so on and so on and getting assaulted on the sideline and all all that stuff he's put up with. But ten in a row is bigger than Neil Francis Lennon. It's bigger than you. It's bigger than me. It's bigger than any individual in the club. It's bigger than any individual within the the supporter base. And yeah, we need to do something. As I mentioned earlier, we needed to do something a couple of weeks ago, in my opinion, so the guy could have time to bet in. But it has to happen. Hmm. We we have to make a move, be decisive, and get on with it. Yeah, I'm. Uh, sadly, um, I'm inclined to agree. Um, you know, as as we were talking about before we went on air, I actually I wrote a, a piece about this yesterday, saying that no matter what happens, Lenny will always be a Celtic legend. He'll always be one of us. And he'll always, I hope, be welcome at Celtic Park, whatever happens. But for the current situation, for the challenge that we now face, a new leader is needed. Who it is, I don't know. But we have the we have the tools, we have the talent. We don't seem to have the leadership right now. That may not necessarily be Neil Lennon's fault. But usually a change of manager is what fixes that problem. So I'm afraid that's what it's going to have to be. It's a new voice to hold guys to account and raise the standards that have slipped. So 
whether that's Eddie Howe, whether that's one I saw on the guys over at 67 Hail Hail on YouTube, they had a good video about seven realistic potential managers. Mm. And there was one that they put on there that I hadn't thought of. And as soon as I heard that, I'm like, that could work, which is Staley Solbakken. Mm. He did well at Copenhagen last year. He's been at the biggest club in the league at a few different clubs and has won things. To me, he would be a good choice and he's out of work. So things like that, if you go watch that video, there's some good options there who are all achievable. Um, Yeah, I think we need a change. We need a... um, yeah, a, a, a new voice in a new direction. And that was me putting my serious voice on for a moment. So um, <laughs> yeah, let's uh, jump into my last thing that I wanted to finish the podcast off with, which was normally we have a would you rather game and it's a former player or a former position or whatever. And we have a bunch of things to question on, like who would it be, which player. I'm changing it up this week. Because of what we just spoke about, Neil Lennon and his current predicament and the way this squad has gone at the moment, would you rather Neil Lennon in this current situation or Tony Mowbray in the situation before he got sacked? Because going back the last 15-odd years, Mowbray has been the only Celtic manager to not leave by his own accord and actually be sacked. So I'd like to know who you would pick, Liam, and the reason why. Right. Now, before I before I say this, let me preface this with a fact. I've got a great deal of respect for both these guys. Um, Tony Mowbray was a wholehearted, totally committed man for Celtic when he played for us. Did his best as manager at what was a transitional time for the club. Um, so whatever I say here and now, is not intended in any way as disrespect to him or indeed to Neil Lennon. But I would quite clearly go with Neil Lennon in this regard because for all, it's not working right now. It has worked in the past and it's worked well. We've beaten Barcelona. We've scudded Rangers numerous times. We've won all manner of trophies under Neil Lennon. That didn't happen with Tony Mowbray. Might not even have been his fault, but the fact is results speak for themselves and we didn't get it with Tony Mowbray. We did get it for a time with Neil Lennon. Yeah, I agree with you on that one. It's um, yeah, I'd be going Lenny as well because at the end of the day, the results don't lie. Lenny's started the run for the 10. He's won plenty of trophies. There's been a lot of big moments as, along with a lot of mistakes. So for me, it would be Lenny. He's not quite in Mowbray territory. But if we lose to a massive result, as we touched on earlier, to Sparta Prague, that could potentially be an issue if we and finish the job for him. If we go to Ibrox and get absolutely scudded there, then... I think that'll be lights out for Lenny. Yeah. Yeah, I would say so. Right, actually, on that note, I'm going to challenge you with a would you rather, just before we go. Okay. Um, Question without notice. I love it. Bring right. it on. Um, 
amidst all the rumours that have been flying about online with like possible replacements for Neil Lennon, um, a guy who's, whose opinion I, 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 I typically trust, Phil McGillivan, I'm sure he's well known to a lot of our listeners, yep. he ran a piece the other day um, saying that, according to his sources, and I've no reason to, to, to disbelieve what he's saying, um, according to his sources, there are three possible candidates to replace Neil Lennon if he goes. And we know two of them. So I'm going to tell you those two now, and you tell me, would you rather which of these two and why, right? So the first one is Eddie Howe. And the second one is a duo of Martin O'Neill and Roy Keane. Which would you rather of those two options? Okay. Personally, I didn't think we should have gone back with Lenny in the first place. Mm. So I'm not a massive fan of going back to going forward, if that makes sense, mm. in terms of bringing in Martin O'Neill. If he comes as a duo with Roy Keane, those he hasn't had a lot of success as a manager. So I would actually lean more towards Eddie Howe because he's a young, progressive, up-and-coming manager. The only issue... On his side is he hasn't won anything, where O'Neill and Keane have won heaps. Mm. But the other thing is I did just say I don't like going backwards to go forward as a club, yet how is someone who's proven that that worked and that he can do that at his time at Bournemouth? When he left, went to Burnley, I think it was for a couple of years, and then went back and then took Bournemouth up into the Premier League. So, yeah, if it was down to the two of them, I think we had that young, progressive, up-and-coming manager in Brendan Rogers. We then went back to Lenny because he's a safe pair of hands. He came in when we were desperate and we needed someone who knew the club and could stabilise things. But for us as a club to go forward, I think we need that, need that younger, up-and-coming manager and Eddie Howe it would be for me. The only question I would have is if... Eddie Howe comes in, does he get to bring his own staff with him? Or is he stuck with the same backroom staff of Kennedy and Strachan? Because if Martin O'Neill and Roy Keane come in, they're not going to – those other two guys would need to get bumped down the pecking order a bit. Mm. What's your thoughts? Right, I'm going to disagree with you, actually. Um, Now, I would say that if we were going into a new season – like, let's just say hypothetically, if we manage to pull it back and win the 10, and then Lenny walks away a hero next summer, and we need someone to come in and rebuild the team and kind of renew the whole thing, a young up-and-comer like Eddie Howe is the guy to do it. Um, you know, he's not won anything of any great consequence yet in football, but I like what I've seen from him, and I like what he can do. And more importantly, I think the Celtic board will like the fact that he can unearth talent in the lower leagues in England, which is where we seem to go a lot of the time when we're looking for up-and-coming players. Um, The Championship and League One have been a source of a lot of talent for Celtic over the last few years. Um, So I think in that respect, Eddie Howe would be the the guy to go with. But right now, we're in a firefight. In a firefight, you want arse kickers, and there's no bigger arse kicker in world football than Roy Keane. (laughs) Um... And Martin O'Neill has the old head 
knows what's expected, knows how to get it done. Um, and again, he has that ruthless streak that I think Neil Lennon lacks. You think about how quickly Ayo Berkovic was shoved out the door when, when Martin O'Neill came in. Thank you, Martin O'Neill. Yes. <laughs> you think about how quickly numerous players, even throughout O'Neill's tenure, if a player wasn't cutting it, they were dropped and someone else was brought in. You know, Martin O'Neill was not the type of guy who would give a player 18 months to find his feet. More like about <laughs> more like about 18 days, you know. Um, he did not suffer fools gladly, and he certainly wouldn't tolerate some of the shite that's rumoured to be going on with the Celtic players right now. So I'd say bring Martin O'Neill and Roy Keane in to get us the 10. Then if they choose to walk off into sunset after that, give Eddie Howe a phone. That, that would be my dream scenario. Knowing Celtic the way we do, though, if you went with Martin O'Neill and Roy Keane and they left after getting 10, we'd give Eddie Howe a phone and then we'd end up with Kennedy in the in the big chair. Yep, more than likely. And we'd end up, right. no disrespect to him, we'd end up with Arthur Labby up front because the rest of the strikers would all be sold. <laughs> That's my boy Arthur Labby. I'm calling it. Yep. Going to be a star for us. I hope so. All right. Yeah. <laughs> Do you want to give um, your articles another plug for us to, as we wrap up the podcast? Uh, yep, yeah, everybody. Um, if you could give me a follow on Twitter at Liam6783 or um, log on to CelticNowAndForever.com, you'll find my almost daily articles there. Um, also, if you're interested in something outside of football, uh, as of last week, I reached an agreement with ScreenRant.com, a prominent movie and TV news website in the US. I'm going to be writing for them starting in a week or two. So have a look on there for me as well. And of course, if you do read one of my articles and you like it, please share it around all your, your social media because it, it does directly affect how much money I make from actually writing this stuff if it gets shared more widely. So every share is appreciated, guys. And since we're plugging things, everyone, SelticDownUnder.com, our website, it um, doesn't have very much on there other than our podcast at the moment, but that's going to grow over time. Um, if anyone wants any of our of our little pin badges that we have, just uh, email admin at CelticDownUnder.com. Other than that, give our Facebook page and group a like, and um, on Instagram and Twitter, you can find us at CelticDown. So on behalf of myself, Jared, and Liam, thanks for listening in. We appreciate your, you know, your support of our podcast and everything and hope you enjoyed the episode. How how? Hello.